children can start from the more concrete representation and using smooth animated transitions, observe how the concrete representation becomes the more abstract representation. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the old story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. everyone welcome to a new episode of data stories so today is only a rico without moritz moritz is on vacation hey moritz you'll enjoy listening to this one and uh, before i introduce our special guest for today i want to briefly mention our um, patreon crowdfunding initiative so what we are trying to do in the show is to go ads free and um, you can support the show by going on Patreon. And this is uh, patreon.com slash data stories. And you can pledge some amount that will be... Um, so the way Patreon works is that you uh, can decide to offer to us a certain, a little amount of money in the order of two, three, four or five dollars. And uh, we charge you this amount every time we... Um, publish an episode. It's a very neat system and uh, you can sign up and if you don't like it, you can also just um, stop it anytime. And uh, basically for the price of a latte or coffee every two weeks, you support the show. So if you are interested and you are interested, if you like our show and you're interested in supporting us, just go to patreon.com slash data stories and you'll find all the information about why we are doing this and um, how it works. So now let me start with um, our guests for today. So for today, we are talking about a very nice project that has been recently published in a paper at the um, CHI conference, the main human-computer interaction conference. And the project uh, uh, is called Cela uh, Vis. And uh, it's a very important topic. It's about visualization literacy, how to basically teach people how to read and also make uh, visualization. But in this particular case, what is really nice is that the authors have been working on how to teach visualization in at the elementary school level to kids. So that's very nice. And on the show, I have two of the authors of the paper. We have Bashak Alper and Natalie Rich. Thank you, Enrico. Thank you. As usual in the show, we ask our uh, guests to introduce themselves. So Bashak and Natalie, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell us what is your background, your main interest, maybe your current position? Uh, so I'll start. Uh, currently, I'm a data visualization researcher and developer at Jet Propulsion Laboratory of NASA. And I work with engineers who operate the rover on Mars and try to help them design information visualization dashboards and other software tools to uh, help them 
process vast amounts of data coming from the rover. Uh, prior to that, I completed my PhD at UC Santa Barbara at BDR and Technology Program, working on data visualization and human-computer interaction. And Natalie has been a mentor for me since 2010, since my internship at Microsoft Research. Nice. And yeah, I've actually been visiting JPL a few years back, and it's a, it's an amazing place. <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, very very nice. Maybe we should get uh, some other people from JPL in the future as well to talk about yeah. more about what is going on at NASA. I think we we actually had uh, uh, Rachel Binks a mm. few years back, and I think. Uh, at that time, she was working at NASA as well, and then she left. I don't know if if your path crossed any time. No, I started recently. Oh, okay, okay. So, Natalie, can you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. So, um, I'm a researcher at Microsoft Research, and I do data visualization. Um, I've been kind of thinking about data and how, you know, complex data can be visualized. And um, I've been just, I think, fascinated by the way you can help people explore their data and, you know, just watching people discover new things they didn't know about their data. So um, my um, PhD was in computer science and I was um, in the Avis lab in, in Rio and I was working with social scientists there. Um, I also did part of my PhD in uh, Australia, uh, which is a really cool experience to have two PhDs, I guess. Uh, but then when I started at Microsoft Research, um, I started, you know, working with more end users, I guess, to just the regular people rather than researchers in neuroscience or social science. And so naturally, um, my interest kind of went around storytelling, the way you could communicate with data. So that's mostly what I'm doing these days. Um, and that naturally led to how do you teach people to better read and understand visualization and also create them. Yeah, perfect. So can you tell us a little bit about what the project Celavis is? I've been, so to prepare for the show, I've been reading through the pages of your paper and was really <laughs> astonished by the amount of work that you've done. So I have to say this paper, as I said at the beginning, has been recently published at the CHI conference and you also got an award for it, an honorable mention award, which is very prestigious. So congratulations for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And um, so you've, be, you've been uh, studying, uh, um, yeah, um, visual literacy in school, but also building a tool. So the, the, the project is very rich. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of the project? I'll start with describing how the project emerged. And then maybe Natalie can elaborate on what we did in the end, summarize. Yes, yes. Um, I'm a Fulbright scholar. And upon completing my PhD, I had to go back to Turkey. And I started a postdoc there at a user interfaces lab, and we got a grant to develop educational tools for tablet devices because education Ministry of Education was distributing free tablets to schools, but they didn't know what to do with them. So being a visualization researcher, I started to think about visualization-related topics, and I started to look at textbooks. I gathered a bunch of textbooks and noticed that they are very, very rich in visual representation of data 
even in very early grades, like even in pre-K. And children start to learn about formal visualizations such as histograms and bar charts as early as third grade. Then Natalie and I started to talk about what role visualizations play in early education and how much kids learn about formal visualizations, how they are taught about visualizations, and what is the level of expected visualization literacy at this level. And Selavis has begun, basically. Yeah, so it was, um, it was interesting because I think it was just a set of um, different events kind of happening concurrently. Um, one part is that Bashak started her postdoc there and we, you know, we stayed very close after our internship. I really enjoy working with her. And so we kept conversation going there. One other kind of event is that I had kids starting preschool. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually was, you know, looking at blocks and having them make bar chart with blocks in some ways. Um, yeah. And I guess the last set of events is that, you know, there were like this more and more infographics every day in the news. Um, and I guess I was just annoyed by the amount of incorrect charts out there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. all of these together <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kind of made that project very compelling at the time. Um, yeah. I think also we were very inspired by your work, um, Enrico, you know, the deceptive visualization paper. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. So all of that together, we thought there's really something compelling. Yeah, well, I think that's a space where there is so much work to do. And I think going back to, I mean, starting from kids uh, seems like a very natural and approach. It makes a lot of sense, right? Kind of like go to the root of the problem, save people before they they are exposed to, to bad charts. Let's teach kids yes. how, to, <laughs> how to do things properly in the first place rather than correct afterwards, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's better to you prevent know. than to solve a problem mm. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i like how you put it right save the next generation <laughs> yeah yeah that's a very important goal and even i mean i think literacy is one of those uh issues or topics that has been it's incredibly important but there is not a lot of work out there and uh yeah and starting from kids is just 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 perfect so can you walk us through uh, some of the phases of the project, as I said, the, the the paper is very rich, and you've been you've been through a lot of different phases. So, can you can you explain to us what happened in the project? Sure. I mean, we started as um, Bashak said um, briefly, but we started by just looking at what's out there. So, mostly textbooks. Um, at that time, I also started sitting down with teachers in my kids' school trying to understand what sort of material or activities they were using. Um, so the first phase was really trying to kind of understand um, is visualization literacy even taught and how? Um, and then I guess um, Bashak also did a number of interviews there. Uh, perhaps you want to talk a little bit about those. Yeah, I started, uh, you know, informal interviews back in Turkey. Uh, we did not include these in the paper because we didn't want to kind of, you know, because then we had to kind of talk about the consistency between U.S. educational material and Turkish educational material. Yeah. Although we observed they are very, very similar, we didn't want to bring another um, kind of uh, compound in the study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But informally, I started to talk to teachers and we realized visualizations play a key role. You know, they have to explain things with visuals all the time and they have to teach visualizations. But there is, um, how should I say, you know, uh, but in terms of using, making use of interactive tools, they don't do anything novel with mm -hmm. the interactivity. Mm -hmm. They still um, use, what, you know, whatever there was 10 years ago, um, still relying on static images and still kind of uh, explaining one visual representation and then later in months later introducing another uh, complexity level of visualization things progress very gradually they don't make use of interactivity we noticed these discrepancies very early on and celavi started to shape okay yeah i mean if i can say a little bit more there um uh -huh. What we learned from just, you know, looking at these tons of materials, sitting down with teachers and interviewing them is that there's not really a formal plan to teach visualization literacy. It yeah. kind of happens. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very surprising because there is though a lot of material, like, you know, out of those um, books that we looked at, I don't know how many pages, Bashak, like. What, 5,000 pages, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But so, you know, out of them, it's like more than half had actual visualization in them. But yet, there's like no program that actually is dedicated to those. So that was extremely surprising to us. We're kind of like, we have to do something about this. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is that... Um, so the, the way visualization is introduced is mostly by using charts or diagrams to teach other topics right is that correct right to teach like math like math, you know yeah. um so very very simple visual representations of data is used to explain like abstract concepts they are used to make you know a concrete picture of an abstract concept yeah. And later, they are actually taught about formal visualizations, like how to make a bar chart, how to read a bar chart. They are explicitly taught these uh, to children. But yeah, the materials used and all are very simple. Okay. Yeah, I see. And um, so what did you find in terms of um, the type of visualizations or material that is used uh, in class? Is it... Is it substantially different from what we are used to see or or it's 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 somewhat similar? Um, we noticed uh, basically there are a lot of pictograms are being used in early grades, mm -hmm. uh, freeform pictograms, structured pictograms. Basically, you know, a pictogram is like representing numbers with uh, visual icons. Yeah. Um, those are very, very common. Uh -huh. But as grades progress, they are introduced to more and more abstract visual representations, such uh -huh. as histograms and bar charts and Venn diagrams. There is a, you know, a very formal breakdown in the paper, which is too too many details to go through here. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But 
there is a rich variety. Some of the visualizations are, you know, like for instance, bar charts are the most common formal visualization that we encounter in elementary schools. Uh-huh. But some of the visualizations that are used in elementary schools are not very common. For instance, fraction diagrams. They use it all the time, but it is not something we use later in life. I see. Yeah, I think that, that that's what surprised me also the first time I saw this kind of charts in my kids' classroom, right? So they have their mm-hmm. walls. On their walls, they have these kind of yeah. large, very large diagrams, but they tend to be much more concrete than the abstract charts that we use in, in our, yeah, in our work, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they're, they're closer to like um, infographics, you know? They're yeah, closer yeah. to the... Yeah, those kind of representation for um, like the wide audience that designer love, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and, and there is also a kind of like, it looks to me that most of the time these items are countable so that there is a direct connection between what you see and what you can actually mentally count, right? By pointing your finger to these objects. And um, yeah, so when I look at the pictograms and examples that you have in your paper, it's in, it looks similar to me to what I have observed in my in my kids' classroom. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's um, it's pretty much a, a good slice. You know, in fact, between all of the authors, we've kind of looked at materials from um, the U.S., from France, from Turkey. So. I th- you know, it might not be um, <laughs> exhaustive, but I think we have a pretty good representative uh, idea of what's taught right now um, to kids in the, in the world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they also, so I see from your paper that um, you've also been looking into tangible objects. So can you t- tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so we didn't, you know, we didn't really um, look at this in, in more depth. Um, I think first it was quite tedious to code the um, graphics. So grabbing actual uh, tangibles in the classroom in addition was um, <laughs> kind of another endeavor. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, we we encountered a lot of them just going in the classroom and teaching um, and like sitting down with the teachers. Uh-huh. So... A lot of these, again, are like, you know, very similar to what you said about the pictograph that you could build um, visualization where you could actually count and put your finger and manipulate each element of them. Um, And those occur mostly, you know, in early grades, um, preschool, um, K, grade one, um, and then they tend to disappear from the classrooms. I see. We also noticed in the textbooks there were a lot of exercises which required kids to work with tangible objects first and then draw pictures of these tangible objects. So kind of, you know, encouraging kids to work with something more concrete, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then creating a more abstract representation of it later on. Uh There were, we encountered many exercises as such. Okay. Yeah. So after this initial analysis, you decided that it would be useful to create an interactive tool to support some some of the work that teachers do in class, right? Is that correct? That's correct. But there is uh, the important thing we noticed uh, looking at this visual material was like, we noticed there is this um, progression towards more and more abstract representation. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in the tangible case, you know, There is an exercise which requires kids to work with the tangible object and then draw it. 
and then from that tangible drawing making it look like more like a continuous bar chart rather than you know discrete elements mm-hmm. you know it progresses like that but it progresses you know in time very gradually over the grades but there is no tool to explain children that actually you know this representation corresponds to this representation okay and here how they are you know correspond to each other using some interactivity or animation there was nothing like that and then at that point it hit us you know there is this you know tablet devices being distributed in schools and tablets are be- becoming more and more commonplace in classrooms and we can actually make use of interactivity and animations to teach kids how different abstract level visualizations correspond to or map to each other. I see. Right. I mean, I guess what's really interesting there is that it's all implicit and it occurs really over years. That's what um, mm-hmm. Bashak was explaining. And then we thought, well, perhaps it would help if we actually explain that to the kids, right? That the, there is different ways to represent the same data. Um, and so that's why you have to pay attention to the encoding um, and then that's that. That was kind of the motivating factor for us that perhaps we could actually help improve the way it's taught. So that's why we got this idea um, to start implementing something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's basically the basis of the Celavis prototype, right? Exactly. Okay. So ca- can you describe how Celavis works? So Celavis um, is a prototype to teach kids how to interpret and construct bar charts. And we started, we defined an abstraction spectrum starting from freeform pictograms leading to bar charts. And there are this, you know, individual uh, visualizations in between. And children can start from the more concrete representation and using smooth animated transitions observe how the concrete representation becomes the more abstract representation or they can view side by side a more concrete representation and abstract representation and using interactive highlights brushing and linking techniques they can understand how one visualization corresponds to the other i see right and what's interesting about it is um we started by just thinking about the kids right so Mm We started thinking about designing those apps that they would use. But then we quickly realized, um, kind of hanging out with teachers, that uh-huh. we actually needed to help them create those exercises sure. so they could match whatever they were teaching and also, you know, kind of vary and control um, the sort of level of difficulty or complexity. Um, so that we ended up... Um, Actually, realizing we needed also the other interface for the teachers to author those exercises. <laughs> so that's kind of what we have the the student experience and then the teacher experience. Sure. So basically, you ended up creating an authoring system that helps teachers create the exercise in the first place, right? Yes, and the authoring part is equally important. Because we did a survey with the teachers later and we asked them like how they gather visual material, um, you know, how they customize visual material. And 
a lot of teachers express the need that, you know, it takes them a lot of time to find the right visual context. They said, you know, and it is very hard for teachers to create interactive material. That's why they are not used very much in classrooms. And whatever interactive material out there is, you know, has a specific visual context. But teachers often need to turn like a real life experience into a math problem. Sure. That's why it is really important for them to customize the visual iconography. Um, You know, something happened in the classroom. Now the teacher needs to turn this thing into a math problem. Uh But it is very hard to go and find something that is exactly what they are looking for Uh out there readily available. So we realized it is very important to provide an authoring tool to help teachers customize the look and feel, the visual iconography, so they can match, you know, the kids' experience, real-life experience in the classroom to the educational material. Sure. And and this is presented to the to the students as a as a as an exercise, right? So one question I have is do they see it as a sort of game? Do they like the fact that it's an interactive interactive kind of like software they can play with and there is a clear I guess there is a clear goal and they get feedback on whether they're doing well or not, if it's correct or not, right? So how do they react? Not a little the observations in the classroom, so uh-huh. I'll let her explain. Okay. Yeah, so what's interesting, um, in fact, what's fascinating that I didn't really realize before I sit down in the classroom is that um, the activities where the kids have to figure out the rules themselves uh-huh, uh-huh. seem to be very engaging to the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, C- Can you give us an example? Yeah, so for example, like my daughter was like in, in preschool and then... Um, we, you know, I sat down with her, with our new teacher to see how she would do. <laughs> and then the teacher started grabbing like a couple of uh, small, um, you know, toys, like figurines of different colors. Yeah. And then she started putting them, um, you know, all of the blues together and then all of the ones that are red together. And then, you know, she would just put one there and then she'd ask my daughter, well, what do you think we should do next? And then she would give her one of those little figurines. And then my daughter, you know, she was like three or four at the time. And then she started piling them in color, right? Because she saw what the teacher was doing. And so she was kind of emulating that behavior. And then at the end, the teacher was like, so what did you think we did? Why did we do it this way? And then my daughter, you know, all small that she was, she could actually explain. (laughs) Well, I'll put the same color together. Um, And, you know, it was very kind of enlightening for me because it's like, wow, why, why don't you just tell her we're grouping by color? <laughs> she had to, <laughs> she kind of had to figure it out herself. And so then she was really engaged. In fact, I, I hadn't seen her that engaged um, to do, you know, those kind of little exercises or activities before. Uh-huh. So we say la vis, we kind of tried different ways to engage the kids. And I guess, you know, it, probably not every way is in there. But one of them is um, to just pair them, the two of two, two kids together. Yeah. Each with one tablet, though, because we don't want them to fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we just tell them to explore. Mm-hmm. So we just didn't tell them anything. Oh, okay. Not what the tool was, nothing. Uh-huh. And um, 
the usually we started that with the animation ones. And then yes. what's um, very interesting is that the kids started to engage with each other and then try to figure out, well, what do you think it's doing? Um, and then try to figure out the, the actually by themselves that the visualization were all about the same data, but different ways to represent it. Yeah. So that was very intriguing. Yeah. And um, other, but then we tried also other versions. Like one of them is actually sort of a game. Bashak designed that one. It's really cool. It's like a cat and you have to, and he's thinking about what he wants to eat. Um, and it's kind of, you have to match what he's thinking in his head, you know, like three fish, you know, and then um, uh -huh. a bottle of milk. And you basically have to create the bar chart that match that. And then once you, once you manage to do that, to create it, then the cat is like super happy and he's like, you know, laughing and stuff. So it's more like a game. Uh -huh. Um, type of method and then that worked with some um with some of the kids too um i guess it perhaps i mean i'm i'm unsure about that but talking with the teachers it sounded like perhaps their focus is more on managing to complete the game and you know make the cat laugh rather than really understand the the visualization part uh-huh uh -huh. yes so but but in general yeah i started going into the classroom and realizing, in fact, teachers don't have the time and bandwidth to actually tell kids what to do and then kind of tell them if they did it correct or not. Okay. So we needed to have like exercises that could either go without any instruction or kind of the kids could figure it out themselves. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's tricky with kids who don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think there, there is so much potential with this kind of interactive technologies. And uh, yeah, as you said, and the fact that there's, there's, th there is an opportunity to teach kids without having a pre predefined set of steps, but they kind of like implicitly learn by exploring the, yeah, the visualization space, right? Yes, there is a lot of potential about interactive tools, but there is also a lot of hesitation uh, expressed by yeah. the teachers. They were like, oh, they are going to toy with this thing. They won't learn the concepts. Uh, they were really, really um, hesitant about whether it will work or not. Uh -huh. But then we observed like kids were expressing, um, you know, visual visualization literacy concepts explaining things to each other which indicated that they are actually understanding uh, that was the ba basically biggest finding from the observation study which made us think that you know this approach has significant potential it might really work Unlike what teachers were thinking that, you know, it will lead to isolation and verbalization is key in classroom. If kids don't verbalize what they learn, you know, it is um, not effective. But kids were talking to each other. Uh, kids were verbalizing key visualization literacy concepts. So it was very encouraging. Uh -huh. And some of the... Um, you know, although like how to teach children is not very, how to teach children visualizations is not very clearly formalized, the level of visualization literacy expected is high. You know, it's grade four, they are expected to interpret, um, you know, 
accesses with infrequent tick marks. You know, access is not marked, uh, you know, at every point, such as, you know, access marked as like 5, 10, 15, like yeah. infrequent tick marks yeah. like that. They are expected to interpret those. They are expected to interpret an icon representing like three elements. Yes. Uh, like the concept of key, as it is called. And yeah. we had exercises trying to teach kids these, trying to introduce kids to these concepts, and we observed that they were able to interpret them accurately. So you you actually do see an improvement in the kids in. Uh, I mean, we cannot say to... improvement because mm -hmm. we didn't do a comparative study, uh -huh, but uh -huh. uh, based on we uh, had one teacher observing other kids yes. using the tool and yes. that teacher was very impressed with kids grasp of the concept of key the concept of infrequent tick marks on the axes sure yeah i mean i think you know a lot of the the fact that teachers are a bit wary of those technologies is because most kids they kind of just sit down by themselves in front of those technologies and then um you know in front of the computer even in the classroom, in some of the exercises that they have, they're just by themselves and then they do the, the tool and then that's it. Usually they don't really talk, you know, to the screen. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> even yeah. the lots of the teachers were saying they don't even ask questions. They're kind of struggling uh -huh. without any, um, you know, sort of asking for help behavior, which uh -huh. stresses the teachers out, I think. And then the teacher don't have much feedback either because... You know, one thing is that each teacher, I think they're, those people are just so impressive. They have like a mental model of every kid. It's way to learn, like it's, um, you know, difficulty and strengths. And so when you put the kids in front of this computer screen, the teacher is kind of losing a lot of that feedback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that that's why the pairing them together and like still having mm. the teacher, yeah. you know, could grasp what's going on there was very impressive. Now the um, clearly the the pair up like having those two people together and um, the fact that they could talk and discover the important concept rather than just being taught about them was very uh, I mean it it sounded from the teachers' feedback that it was a very interesting concept for them so I think for this visualization literacy like teaching the key for example. All of what they were doing um, was just explaining to them what the key is, and then mm -hmm, giving mm -hmm. them exercises. And basically what the teacher in grade three was saying is that, you know, it's take me a week to teach them the thing. And it's I'm just, you know, they understand it. Uh -huh. But then if I come back two weeks later, they just forgot to look at the key. Oh. So, they, I mean, it's not like they don't understand the concept. It's just they don't pay attention. Sure. And so... When they discover it in the tool, like, you know, they're trying to figure out, well, why doesn't it match? Like, why isn't the cat laughing? Oh, because there is the key. Uh -huh. Somehow it's stuck in their head. Okay. So when we came back like two weeks later, because um, I wanted to do that for that teacher, right? Like see if that still is the case for app, right? That we come back two weeks later and they just totally forgot it. Um, they still thought about the key. Sure. So I don't know if that's the experience that marked them or, you know, if it was just one off thing, but the, the teachers were all excited about that part that um, perhaps it's a nice way that it will stick. Um, you know, they will have just discovered yeah. this by themselves and they will remember it. 
Yeah, that, that's very interesting. I think in general, the idea that it's not only about how do you design a tool, but there is a whole intervention and in how you actually instruct people to use this tool, right? So in this case, given the same tool, you have different outcomes if you let if you let uh, students work on their own or you pair them up with other with other students. So that's that's very interesting. So one one question I have is. Um, so if, say, I want to use your tool at home or, or suggest my, my kid's teacher to use it in class, how um, can we do that? So can other people use it? Yes, yep. it is available online. We can share you a link. Uh, it is Selavi's GitHub IO. Uh-huh. Okay. And this works on what? On iPads or what? Yeah, so that's the key. We did it with... Uh, so you need a touch tablet, I guess. Because um, uh -huh. otherwise, then you can't touch objects. So that's less interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we use the tablet because that's the right format for a kid, right? Yeah. Um, it works on Chrome. And um, basically, you can access either the exercise that um, we've created online so you can share the url in fact with other people and you can also if you access the authoring version then you can create your own your own series of exercises right with your styles uh -huh. and whatever mm -hmm. kind of sequence you want and then it will also create a url that you could share um, with other people so it's all web okay web-based perfect yep perfect okay so I just want to conclude by asking you if you have any future plans on how to extend or use this project, what 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 could be done next. I mean, that's, that's a very, as I said at the beginning, very important and there is so much more work to do. So what's, what's your ideas on how, what can be done in the future? So one thing, you know, working at uh, NASA right now, one application area for this approach that I notice is like, to teach people complicated visualizations. We have, you know, a lot of operators yeah. uh, looking at complicated dashboards and we want to use more abstract visualizations, say like parallel lines, but our operators are not familiar with that visualization. So we can use a similar approach. Hey, you know, this is how you look at bunch of bar charts and this is how they map to the parallel lines visualization. It yeah. can be used as an educational uh, training tool. The same approach can be used for training, uh, for complicated visualizations. That's one uh, you know, area that I want to explore in the future. And I'm sure Natalie has others too. Yeah, I mean, I totally want to stay with kids. You know, my my <laughs> daughter Emma was my like debugger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's really good at breaking things, by the way. Um, but uh, since she did that, she was just four, but she's just creating charts all the time now, like charts uh -huh. of how happy or uh, unhappy she? she's. <laughs> she's six. Okay. Yeah. So she created a chart of how. Um, when she's happy with us or unhappy because we've been not nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's in our kitchen. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just fascinated with um, teaching that early about visualization literacy because I think it's beyond just using visualization. It's also to just think more critically about yeah. what you receive, you know, and and 
I think that that I want to just pursue that in that age range. I think that's as important as learning to read and count. It's just kind of reflect that what you can read or, you know, the sort of material you can access actually might just be incorrect or incomplete. Yes. And I have lots of ideas that also go beyond just, you know, just using the tablet. So I'm kind of thinking about using um, AR, VR, tangibles. So kind of try to fit more different variety of activities um, yeah. and still working with the, the school that my kids are in, this French-American school, because I think uh -huh. Uh -huh. they have a lot of, um, the teachers there really try to create their own material all the time. So I think there's lots of yeah. opportunity to just try things with them and then see um, in like in the field how does it go right like <laughs> does it work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, I have to say I didn't start experimenting with my kids yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that you are doing that. Maybe we we should talk more about it. And uh, yeah, but I, I think it's it's a very fascinating topic. And uh, yeah, if 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 you're listening to this and you have kids and you are experimenting with your kids and visualization, let us know. I think that's a that's an, an amazing opportunity to uh, to teach an important skill very early on. And I think that there, there is a lot to discover there. We just don't know exactly how to teach kids to do this properly. And uh, yeah, it's super super fascinating. Well, okay. Thanks so much for uh, uh, coming on the show. Uh, that's uh, congratulations for this beautiful project, and uh, thanks for moving these steps towards, uh, yeah, learning more about how to teach visualization to kids. I hope there will be more work in this direction in the future. Actually, we had a couple of episodes in the past that are related to this topic. We had. Um, one whole episode on visualization literacy in general. And we also had, uh, um, on episode 87, we had uh, um, a, a whole show on a book called This Kids. So if you didn't, if you didn't listen to it, it's, it's a very nice episode on uh, um, a little book that has been designed to teach visualization uh, to, to kids. Um, So thanks so much, Bashak and Natalie, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us, Enrico. Yeah, thanks, Enrico. It's, um, it's a really cool project, dear to our hearts, I think. So it's glad, I'm glad <laughs> we could just talk about it. Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the old story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash datastories.